Hey there, welcome back to the First Baptist Church Dadeville Pastors Chat. Today we're going to talk about the story of Peter and his denial, and we're going to learn how can we forgive ourselves. Now in this discussion today, we are going to talk about some sins uh, that are maybe particular and maybe something that younger children don't need to listen to. So you might want to let them sit this one out. Um, but I think you're going to really enjoy the discussion today. Uh, we have some great talks about sin, about forgiveness, and even about Star Wars. Just check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. Welcome to episode two of First Baptist Church Dadeville Pastors Chat. And we are coming to you. It is May the 4th. Fourth be with you. Exactly. So this is kind of a national holiday. I'm your host, Forrest Jones, joined by the Obi-Wan Kenobi of First Baptist Church Dadeville, our pastor. Dr. Ben Hayes, good to be with you today. I haven't heard that name around these parts. (laughs) (laughs) I really always consider myself more of a Yoda. We weren't talking about your height, Dr. Ben. <laughs> that was good for us. <laughs> and the Han Solo? Is that? Is that I'll take it. I, I figured you'd, you'd take that one. <laughs> Zach Brown, youth pastor. I always thought of him more as Chewbacca. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> there are some hairy references there. Just a few. Or is it always let the Wookiee win? Is that where we're at? So today we are talking about the, the message from yesterday. Um, which was about how can I forgive myself? And uh, Brother Ben brought a great message yesterday. We're going to talk about that. And then as a special at the very end, we will discuss what is our favorite Star Wars movie. So stick around to the end to find out how wrong Zach is. <laughs> All right, Brother Ben, you're on the hot seat. If you will give us a little rundown of your sermon from yesterday. Oh, thanks, Forrest. Uh one of the big problems that I think that, that people have in our society today is is the problem with guilt. I honestly believe that the majority of the depression that people experience today, if it is not a clinical depression, if it is not some sort of chemical imbalance, stems from the fact that we carry around this boatload of guilt everywhere we go, day after day after day. And it's hard to truly experience the joy that that God gives us uh, when we are struggling with with this feeling of of guilt and shame and regret all the time, and so what I wanted to do yesterday was to to deal with the the simple fact that that we have to learn as believers to forgive ourselves because God has forgiven us completely. Uh, when we come to Him uh, for salvation, He has dealt with all of our sins, past, present, and future, the sins that we continue to commit. Uh, when we come to Him in confession and repentance. He forgives those, but the problem is we we find it difficult to forgive ourselves. And uh, one of the things that that I wanted to to accomplish in this is to recognize that we all make mistakes, we all make bad decisions, we all make poor choices, and we have to uh, deal with consequences that come with those choices that we make. But when we get right down to it. We also have a choice to let it go, to let go of the uh, the guilt, to let go of the, the the bitterness, to let go of the 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 regret, all of those emotions that just build up over time. 
Um, I think it's ingrained in us as human beings uh, because we know that we are fallen humanity, because we know that we have a sin nature, that when we come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives, I think it's ingrained in us to to feel guilty uh, about things, and especially those things that we don't ever truly deal with. So we wanted to, I wanted to talk about forgiveness uh, in general, but specifically uh, how we can forgive ourselves. And and I talked about the way that, that God forgives, and I gave you five characteristics of, of God's forgiveness. And we'll come back and deal with those, I guess, uh, one at a time as, as we move forward. But, but God forgives us specifically. He, gives, he forgives us instantly. He forgives us completely. He forgives us repeatedly, and He forgives us freely. And if we could just get those thoughts into our hearts and minds, recognizing how wonderful the forgiveness of God really is, then, then I think it would go a long way in helping us to, to truly experience the, the, the victory uh, of the, the Christian life. And so that's what we focused on, the fact that we have to come to God for forgiveness for the first part of this. And we, we talked about the fact that the second aspect is that we have to make a choice. Uh, all of this is about choices. We, we choose to come to God for forgiveness, but we also have to choose to follow his plan for our lives. I'm reminded of the woman caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8. I didn't deal with this yesterday, but I could have because I wanted to focus on Peter's life and his experience. But if you remember in John chapter 8, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery was brought before Jesus. And uh, of course, we know the big scene where Jesus stoops down and he he writes in the dirt and he uh, all of the accusers who have stones in their hands drop their stones and, and walk away. But at the end of that story, what we see is Jesus looking at the woman and saying, where are your accusers? And she says, they're not here. And he says, go and sin no more. See, it's a change. We, we choose to follow God's plan for our lives. And part of that has to do with the change in the patterns of our life, the behaviors of our life. And so we, we spend a good bit of time talking about that choice as well. Because so often we have this idea that we can just do it ourselves, do it the way we want to do it, continue to live life as we please. But the problem with that is when we're not following God's plan, that's sin because we're not experiencing God's best for us. And so that's where we we went. That's what we dealt with. And uh, that was basically the essence of the message in just a, a couple of minutes. All right. Yeah. You uh, and some of the discussion questions we had, you talked about the idea of have we ever made bad decisions in our life? And I know you mentioned yesterday um, the idea that sin is us thinking we know what's best. Mm-hmm. And and it just struck me. It's that kind of idolatry of ourselves. We say, you know, we're, we're really wiser than God. It's sin is always us choosing in that moment, something along the lines of, well, I know that whatever, you know, God's commandment is, but, you know, in this moment, what I want really kind of looks better. It kind of, I think in the moment, it's going to be more appealing. And we ignore the wisdom of God that he set up, you know, what he wants. Um, and so it really is kind of us worshiping our own intelligence and uh, and making those poor choices, which, as you mentioned, have bad consequences. You know, and and um, I think sometimes we get, when we start talking about forgiveness, we can get caught up in the idea that, Forgiveness is going to mean there are no consequences to our sins. The idea that, okay, well, I've committed a sin, and now suddenly maybe God forgives me, but there's going to be no consequences. Well, 
I think we've all seen on earth where that's not true. I mean, that there are plenty of people whose lives have been forever changed because of mistakes they made and that there are earthly consequences that come with that. Um, but well, I can, you know, I, I like to use the illustration of a chocolate cake because I personally love chocolate cake. Okay. <laughs> Um, I can see a chocolate cake, and in the moment, I can think it'd be a good idea to eat the entire cake. And I could probably do that if, if given the opportunity. But what I would discover later is there are consequences to that. And even if I feel sorry about to eating the chocolate cake, even if I ask God to forgive me of eat, for eating the chocolate cake, I'm still going to face the consequences for, for that choice that I make. And, and we need to understand that's the way things work in this life. Yeah, absolutely. That God has set up our world to work a specific way and that um, forgiveness for the spiritual punishment doesn't always mean that we're not going to have the temporary uh, consequences now. Um, I'm sure we all have that thing that we one time ate way too much of and it has ruined us forever. That's French onion depth, in case you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> so again, since the same way that we have that um and so you talked about Peter, and why why was that the example you just decided to go with yesterday? Well, maybe because I relate to Peter quite well. Um, I see in him, I see a lot of me, uh, the brashness, the arrogance, the, uh, the idea that I can do anything on my own kind of thing that, that Peter uh, puts forth there. But also in the fact that that he is a perfect example of what it means to need to forgive yourself, but you refuse to forgive yourself. Uh, at the um, at the betrayal of Jesus, he he weeps bitterly, and the Bible tells us that. Uh, but then later on in John's Gospel, towards the end, he decides just out of the blue that he's going fishing. Uh, and it's almost as if he's made a decision that God's not going to use him anymore. And so he's got to get back to his his old profession. I don't know that that's exactly what was going on. None of us do. But it almost seems that way. But in between there, we see the angels telling the, the ladies who come to the tomb, make sure you tell Peter that Jesus is alive. And, and it's almost as if they're they're doing this specifically for him because he is weeping bitterly. He has regretted his 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 uh, decision. He is uh, ashamed of what he's done. But they want to make sure that he understands there's forgiveness there. And it's not until the end of John when when Jesus sits with him on the seashore and says, "Peter, do you love me?" And Peter says, "Yes, Lord. I, you know I love you." And he says, "Feed my sheep." where Jesus literally recommissions him to, to be the apostle that he's been called to be. And so you see the journey of, of sin and regret and repentance and commission all over again, right there in the life of Peter. Yeah, and, and when we talk about Peter, um, it, it's funny because earlier we see Jesus telling him that, hey, you know, this Peter and this church he's going to be involved in starting is going to be the foundation for the church universal, that it's going to be the whole church. And that happens all before Peter denies Christ. And, you know, we realize Jesus was not surprised. It wasn't when he told Peter that, that he didn't know that Peter was going to mess up later. Jesus specifically tells him like, Hey, what do you, you know, you're going to deny me. Oh no, I would never do that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that is the arrogance that, 
makes Peter so appealing. The more you grow, the more you realize, man, I probably would have been right there with Peter saying, yeah, I would never do it. Those other guys, these jokers, they would do that. But me, no, not at all. Uh, I thought that was a, just an excellent point looking at the life of Peter. Um, you talked about the five characteristics of God's forgiveness. You said um, God forgives specifically. Um, Zach, what do you think about those times that we give that kind of generic, forgive me for all the bad things I've done, God, kind of prayer? Do you um, think there's a place for that? Do you think, what do you think about that? So yesterday, I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but Brother Ben, you said something along the lines of like, Peter was confronted by God and had to face his sin. He had to face the sin that he had done. Um, and, and you mentioned that, Forgiveness requires that true repentance. And, and thinking back to, um, to times in, in my life where I've had those moments of, of sin, be it, you know, a singular sin or, or living in like a, a, long, you know, a longstanding sin, whatever it is, it, it's always in those times where I'm trying to be more broad and more generic, not really wanting to, to, to admit exactly what it is that I've done um, when it's usually the time when it's easier for it to continue to go. Um, and, and it's and it's usually those times when I really sit there and confront, this is what I'm doing. This is why it's wrong. This is specifically what I need to step away from and why I need to step away from it. When it's been easier to, um, to move past it, to be able to uh, open up to other people, to be able to find help getting, getting through those sins, through, through community in our church, through community. With, with my relationship with Christ and things like that. Um, and so, so that really, really spoke a, a bit to me, the idea that, that forgiveness is true repentance. It's not just something that you say, yeah, well, we all sin, so, so forgive us where we fall short. You know, it's, it's that moment of saying, man, you know, I really did this, and this was directly against God's will, and this was, was me actively choosing to live in sin and, and choosing to, to make this sin, and I need to... I need to repent for that, and I need to ask for forgiveness for that. Um, and, but making it, making it something that is that is personal and true, not just one of those times where again, you know, you pray before a meal, you know, bless his food and forgive us of our sins. But actually, you know, taking that, um, taking that that we are dealing with, that we are struggling with, and atoning for that. Yeah, personally, hearing you talk about it made me think. I think there is something powerful about naming sin what it is and just that idea of you know instead of saying uh, using your chocolate cake example you know it's one thing to be like oh i overate a little well that's that's not nearly as much as saying forgive me for glutton for being a glutton for you know and and that's a very mild example but a lot of times we say things like yeah we're falling short or the ways we failed you today as opposed to naming these are the specific things that i did this is uh, and I think sometimes we use that as kind of a way to gloss over. Um, and I think it's important for us to maybe make the distinction. When we're talking to someone who is not a Christian yet, I think I think we need to kind of make that distinction here of, it's one thing to talk with someone who is being convicted of the fact that they are a sinner for the very first time and the, and saying with them, like, listen, you've done all of these things in your past that God they don't meet the mark. You know, they have fallen short of God's plan and that's sin. 
and that they have to come to that point of saying, God, I'm a sinner and I need you, Lord. But we're specifically more talking after that, where you're, we're dealing with people who are believers. Um, and this is in that ongoing um, Christian walk, that sanctification as we're growing as believers. Um, this is where I think we, we deal with this more. I don't think that we should be counseling people that come down and say, I want to get right with God. They were like, okay, well, we're going to need a detailed list of everything you've ever done. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point for us because here's here's the thing. One of the, one of the reasons that I think we need to confess specifically, it's, it's not because God doesn't know. He knows our hearts. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we, as you say, have glossed over. And you remember there at the end in John chapter 13 when uh, Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples, he comes to Peter and Peter says to him, no, no, Lord, you can't do that. I'm not going to let you be my servant. And Jesus says, if you don't let me do this, you have no part of me. And so Peter responds, well, then don't just wash my feet, wash my head and my hands, wash me all over. And Jesus makes this really neat statement. He says, he says, those who are washed need only to have their feet clean. And what he's talking about here is that as believers, we're washed. We're washed in the blood of the Lamb and we're made clean. But as we walk through the, the dusty streets, the, the sin-filled streets of life, just as the as Peter would do as he walked out of the, the doors of Jerusalem and walked down those, those dusty streets, his feet would get dirty. The dust would come up on his feet and on his legs. Uh, just as that would happen in those days, we walk through this world and, and the dust of sin gets up on our feet and on our legs. And those are the times when we need that specific cleansing from our sin. That's what he's talking about. That's what I'm talking about here. And I think that's so powerful to even think of. That's a great way to think about it. Um, just that it, it's because it can be very demoralizing. I think sometimes where you feel like, man, I'm, I feel like I'm growing in my Christian walk and yet I'm still messing up. And I, and um, I was telling somebody the other day, it, part of it is the closer you grow to God, the closer you get to him, the more you stop comparing yourself to other people and the more you start comparing yourself to the real measurement, which is Christ. And then you realize, man, I am falling way short. When you measure yourself against the person in the pew next to you, you can probably find some things to like feel like, yeah, I did pretty good on that one. When you measure yourself against Christ, suddenly you're realizing, man, I fall so short. Uh, not to get too sidetracked, but I remember when I was taking the polygraph to become a police officer. And the guy giving the polygraph, he goes, listen, I need to know how honest you are. So I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm like, okay, no big deal. He goes, now listen, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. There's only been one perfect man that ever walked this earth. And you and I are not him. You know who I'm talking about, right? I'm like, Okay, so I'm like, I'm tracking. We're talking about Jesus. Got it. Now, compared to Jesus, how honest would you say you are? Uh, uh, 80%? You don't want to go too low. You're trying to get a job here. Right? I'm like, uh, 80%? You're telling me you only tell the truth. 80%? Uh, uh, no. Like, <laughs> and I remember freaking out, not knowing how to answer this question. Uh, you know, when you compare yourself to Jesus, suddenly everything gets a little more difficult. <laughs> um anyway, so yes, we are called to 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 confess specifically what we have done. Um, and God is going to specifically forgive us. Um 
you know, you said instantly that one, I don't think most of us have a hard time with God does things instantly. He's pretty awesome like that, but, um, God forgives completely. I know you had, you mentioned yesterday, Ezekiel 33. Um, I just want to read that for us real quick. Uh, 33, 14 through 16 says, again, though I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. Yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if the wicked restores the pledge and gives back what he has taken by robbery and walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is just and is right, and he shall surely live. And I think what stuck to me, stuck out to me, was like you were saying, this isn't saying he who has never sinned shall be granted life. This is he who has sinned and made it right, he shall surely live. It's just that idea that um, we are going to sin. We're going to mess this thing up as we walk along the way. God forgives repeatedly. I think we probably can spend a little time on that one. Of course, this this is a tough one. And, and it's as I said yesterday, this is one of those where the question was asked more than one time. And it's probably on the hearts of, of most people because we tend to, to, to have this idea that if we keep doing the same thing over and over again, then we must not have truly been repentant to begin with because repentance literally means to have a change of heart, to have a change of direction. It means to turn away from our sin and, and turn back to God. Well, the, the problem is that the, the lure of sin is so strong that, that sometimes the, the enemy gets a, a stronghold in our lives, even as believers, so that when we turn from our sin and back to God, the call is still there and we find ourselves turning back around and heading back to it again and again. And we can have the, the depth of, of passion in our heart, the sorrow over our sin that we're committing a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, however many times it is, and, and still um, continue to, to, to make those same mistakes. Uh, and that's the hard thing for us to understand. But if you remember, back to Peter again. Peter asked Jesus the question, how many times am I supposed to forgive my, my brother? He says seven times. And now Peter thought he was being magnanimous when he, he met, when he made that statement because the rabbi said, if you give them, forgive them three times, you're done. After the third time, you don't have to ever forgive them again. So Peter thought seven times, hey, I'm doing more than twice of what the rabbis are saying. And Jesus says, no, not seven times, 70 times seven. Now, I know you math whizzes out there are saying, okay, so I've got to add up each one of those forgivenesses, and when I get to 491, I can stop. That's not exactly what Jesus meant. What he was talking about is this, this number of seven, which is completion, and 10 is fulfillment, and you put all that together. He, he's saying that we're to forgive our, our neighbors an unlimited amount of time every time they come to us asking forgiveness, and even those times when they don't come to us asking forgiveness. By the way, we'll be talking about that this coming Sunday. But but just keep in mind here, if God is saying that we have to forgive that way, then surely he's going to forgive that way as well, repeatedly. Yeah, I think we start thinking about the idea that so much of what Christ is doing is pointing us, you know, he's doing it on earthly as he's walking the streets, dealing with people, um, you know, just thinking about him healing 
you know, the, the paralytics and, and that kind of stuff. And when he says things like, all right, get up, your sins are forgiven. And then they're like, what, what's that? And he's like, oh, and walk. Like, because that's a bigger deal is that I forgive your sins. But since y'all can't see that, there you go. Let's, let's make you walk. So much of what he's doing is really pointing to this big picture that they weren't getting. We often don't get, we get focused on, wait, so how many, I, I don't understand the math there. I'm terrible at math. There's no way I could count up that many. Yeah. It's saying, no, God's going to keep doing this. He forgives us over and over. And um, he's not surprised that we do. Um, what stuck out to me was thinking about Paul and just that, um, what is it, in Romans 7, where he says, I don't understand my own actions, for I do what I don't want to do. And I, uh, for I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to, I agree with the law, that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. And this is Paul talking about the fact that he keeps doing the wrong thing over and over and over. And I know in my own life, there's been those times that you go back to those sins and it's just revisiting it over and over. And more than anything else, I think that was the times where I was prone, like you mentioned, to, to kind of start doubting my own salvation and saying, well, and if I keep messing up this much, maybe I'm not really saved. Maybe that's, maybe that's it. And I think that's where the devil's getting even more joy than you messing up the first place is when you're using that to beat yourself up and say, maybe, I, maybe I'm doubting what God has done in my life because of these, these areas I'm messing up. And I think um, that's where it's important to realize you're not alone. Um, but then you mentioned sometimes what we need to do is make some other changes to go along with that. Um, yeah, one of the things that, uh, that we have to be aware of is that there are a lot of habits that we have that are connected to people, connected to actions, connected to things that are in our hearts and in our minds. I, I remember for most of my growing up years, my mom was a, a smoker, and every time that she had a cup of coffee, she had to, to have a cigarette. You know, that was just, they were connected for her. A lot of people are like that. I deal with uh, a lot of people in uh, my line of work with people who are uh, addicts, uh, drug addicts, and, and alcoholics. And uh, what I have discovered is that many times they will go and get treatment. They'll come back to their old life, to their old place, uh, to their old friends, and they fall right back into those same old habits. So we've got to make a break with things. And sometimes it means leaving people behind. Sometimes it means leaving places behind. behind. But we have to, to, to make changes in, in the way that we live. Now, God's going to give us a desire to make those changes when we are right with him. But we have to make a choice that we will do that um, or else we're just going to keep stumbling into that same sin. Yeah. Thinking about some of those secret sins, and that is a, a misnomer, truthfully, when we think of things like secret sin, because there is no, no such thing, right? There's um, sin that maybe the people around us haven't seen, but there is no secret sin in the fact that God has seen it all along. But I think that's where you see a lot of those kind of 
sins that people keep coming back to because in the moment they feel like nobody's really seen it. It's much easier to just be like, okay, well, I won't do that again. And I can do this on my own. I just, you know, pull myself up by my bootstraps and I won't, I won't fall back into that sin. And I, I know personally, there's been times where I feel like the next thing you know, you're back at the same spot going, how did that happen again? Why, you know, why can I not resist this? Um, well, for us, the, the statistics are alarming. Um, and it's especially bad right now with what's going on with the COVID-19 virus. People are stuck at home. Uh, they're on the Internet. And what's happening in, in many of our homes is that, that men and women and young people alike are being attacked by this pornography industry. They're being called to it. And, and these, these sites are offering free stuff to them. And millions upon millions of people are becoming addicted to this, this pornography that is so readily available to them online, on their phones, everywhere they go. And because of that, they find themselves committing sin after sin after sin. And, and it's taking them deeper into a, an area that they do not want to go. And I'm not talking about just lost people here. We, we have a major problem within the church because we are excellent at rationalizing what is sin and what is not sin and excusing ourselves for the things that we do. And so we have got a, a major problem with, with addiction inside the church that the only hope for deliverance from that is to get help. See, sometimes you can't do this on your own. Sometimes you can't make the break all by yourself. We say, well, God is able. He can deliver me. Yes, he can. But just like a drug addict or just like an alcoholic, most of the time it requires someone coming alongside you who's been there and done that to help you overcome that addiction or a licensed counselor or therapist that can help you to do that. And so I would encourage those of you who are listening to this today, if you have this problem, don't try to go through this by yourself. Yes, you can come to God for forgiveness. Yes, you can choose to follow God's plan. Yes, you can make all of the changes that I talked about in the message yesterday. But until you get somebody who will hold you accountable and, and come alongside you to help you through this, you're going to keep stumbling back into that same sin. And maybe it's because I'm a male. We, we, when you got to this point yesterday, instantly that's what my mind went to is was just sexual sin and, and the temptation that, that's there. Um, and so I, if we can kind of hang out there for a minute and, and talk through some of that, um, especially Zach, if you can kind of talk through, parents need to be realizing their children are being exposed to pornography and temptation at insanely early ages. Um, and, and as a parent, I know that's not always something you want to think about. Um, but, you know, if, if there was a young person who came to you, say a young man in the youth group came to you and said, hey, I, I've, I've done this. I, I've been looking at stuff I shouldn't be looking at on the Internet. Um, you know, I, I've, I've tried to stop and I find myself going back to it. What, what would you tell that young man? So, spot. Um, so, yeah, we, um, we get the, the joy of, of dealing with that stuff, working with, uh, working with, with youth. It's all, uh, it's all fun and games at the lock-in until somebody tells you they have a, a, a porn addiction. Um, 
I know one of the things from from my experience that that really helped was the accountability that was that that was there within the church. Um, having people in the church who I could go to and talk to about those kind of things and get those out in the open. Um, because again, just, just like any, anything else, the, the more we try to, to sweep it under the rug and act like it didn't happen, act like, you know, okay, that's something I did yesterday. Not going to do that again. You know, it's, it's under the rug, whatever. I'm going to move past it. The more you keep that in and the more you hide those kinds of things, they're not being dealt with. Um, and, and, and if we're not careful, we, we get into those, those habits of it becomes a habitual thing that we keep returning to. We keep returning to that sin rather than dealing with that sin. And um, One of the things that, that Brother Ben mentioned yesterday that, that stuck with me when, when talking about this, because again, about like you, I mean, you know, we talked after the service and, you know, how do you really talk about this without avoiding or with avoiding this topic? Because this is where where it kind of went to for both of us. Um, looking at, at when he mentioned, where is it? Um, you you have to choose to obey God's will for your life. Like you have a decision to make. Are you going to to choose to obey God's will for your life? Are you going to choose to try and live in a way that pleases your Father? Or going back to what we talked about earlier. Are you going to to live in a way that is against his will, thinking that you know what what you have for yourself is better? And, and it's when we when we open up about those things to somebody. Now I'm not I'm not saying you know you need to stand in front of everybody and say I am so and so and this is what I deal with, accept me or, or or whatever. But but having somebody who you can go to means the world when it comes to being able to start those steps of moving past something like this. Um, and that's something that we were talking just last Wednesday with our students about it is the important role that church plays in our life because it gives us somewhere where we can be a part of a community where we can confess our sins to each other and support each other and help each other move along in our walks. Um, Cause again, as long as we, we act like, like this stuff isn't a big deal, or we act like, um, again, it's just something that I did this one time. Okay, well, you know, I did it again, but but I won't do it next time. Okay, I, I fell again, you know, and, and it's a cycle that keeps happening. Um, and bringing that out is the first step towards being able to really move past and get to a place of, of repentance in that. And so my first piece of advice to students is have somebody who you can trust enough, be it, you know, again, a lot of students don't really want to talk to their parents about that, um, but have somebody who is a spiritual leader that you can trust, that you can talk to and come to and say, hey, I messed up. I, I need help with this. Um, I mean, and there are, you know, there's software you can use, there's websites you can use, but Honestly, you can put anything you want on your Wi-Fi, and if they have a cell phone, that's not going to work. Um, there are going to be ways around these things. What really helps is that accountability, that that companionship of being able to to go to somebody and work with with somebody to be able to work past what you are dealing with um, and get to a place where 
you're not sitting there being like a, a captive to this addiction, but you are somebody who has gotten to a place where you are choosing daily that this is not something that you want to be a part of, that you want to be living in a way that is pleasing to your father, that you want to be living in his will to where to the point where you are willing to put in the work to try and move past this. Yeah, and I, I think um, we could spend so long on this subject, and, and it might be that we come back to this and do a special episode just talking about temptation, sexual sin. Um, just a couple little quick points, and then we're going to have to wrap it up. But I had heard somebody discussing that they had stopped talking about sexual purity with their young people, and they started talking about sexual ethics. And they said, because purity is something you can lose in an instant. And as much as we want to say, like, oh, you know, you can regain your purity, it's a hard sell. But ethics is something you work at, and it's a day-after-day process. And um, my encouragement would be if you are young, I should stop saying young, if you are a human male, you probably are dealing, at some level, will have to deal with lust and um, temptation and all of that, whether it be in physical form or pornography or whatever that is. Um, don't fight that battle alone would be my advice. Um, again, you can come to us, talk to us, you know, and not delving into everything. But again, that's something we've all dealt with and we'd love to help you with. Um, and if, yeah, if it takes, probably the biggest barrier here is pride. Um, I, I can speak from experience and thinking the idea of that you have to go to somebody and say, hey, I have this problem and I've tried the Lone Ranger. Okay, God, I'll never do it again technique. Um, and I find myself going back to those habits and, and in this kind of despair that we, we talked about in the subject, in this sermon, um, but having to go to somebody and saying, hey, listen, this is something I deal with. And probably what's going to happen is they're going to say, I'm proud of you for coming forward with this and you're not alone. There's a lot of other people dealing with it. Let me help you. Um, let me, so, let me back yeah. you up just a minute there for us, because this, this is an important point that we need to, to, to mention here. This is not just a male thing anymore. Uh, the statistics are saying that more and more of our young women and girls and even older ladies are, are struggling with this addiction. All you have to do is look at the movies that, that are out there that are targeting women with these sexual themes and, and you see that this, this multi-billion dollar industry is affecting everyone. But here's the key. What Paul says is true. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we ought to be able to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and say, hey, I've got a problem. Because here's the thing. We all have a problem. My problem may not be pornography, but it could be overeating. My problem may be may not be lust, but it, it could be something else. We all have sin, and according to the Word of God, sin is sin. There are no levels of sin. We like to make that uh, a big distinction between certain sins. But the smallest lie is as big an affront to God as murder or adultery. And we need to recognize that. Jesus died on the cross, not just for the, the what we would call the big sins. He died on the cross for the, the lies and the coveting and, and those things that we tend to slough off every day. So keep in mind, we are all guilty. We all have needs, and we especially need each other to deal with these problems that, that we're going through. Totally very, very good point. Um, 
All right. Now that we've gone and done all the serious, deep stuff, now the hardest question of all today. What is your favorite Star Wars movie? We'll start with Brother Ben, because Zach either is torn on his answer or he just can't make up his mind or he's ready to defend it. I don't know. Considering the fact that you guys probably weren't alive when the Star Wars uh, saga started uh, coming out on the big screen, uh, I have to say that the uh, fourth episode, which was actually the first episode, or the first episode, which was actually the fourth episode, however you want to say that, to me was the best. But simply because it was something new, it was something exciting, and I remember the excitement that was there the anticipation. And I don't think you get that after you've seen the the first one or the second one or the third one. It's not that same feeling. All right. There's his vote. Now I want to hear what you have to say, Zach, and not just some like sucking up to the pastor and go with his vote. I want to hear your No, own. no, not, not at all. Um, so for the sake of feeling like I'll need to, to tender my resignation. Um, my favorite is, believe it or not, episode three. Traditionally, one of the most disliked, but I don't know. I've always had a special place in my heart for, right. for the third one. Which is, one that is that the one with Jar Jar Binks? No. Well, that'd be the first one. Okay, I think so he has like episode a, like three a, a, would be Clone Wars? No, no. Episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Anakin oh, yeah, yeah. falls to the dark side and destroys the Jedi temple and I think that, that may be some psychological Vader. issues that we need to deal with, oh, with yeah. that. <laughs> there's all this is like one of those Rorschach uh ink blot tests um okay well that's that's an interesting choice I really thought you more for an episode one Jar Jar Binks fella but um no. <laughs> <laughs> again it actually bothers me to call it episode one because I agree with you one is what is four four, four slash yeah. one slash whatever um all right so I'm gonna go with I have to admit, I'm while I like Star Wars, I haven't even seen them all, right? I'm mm-hmm. that big of a loser. Now, I'm wearing Star Wars socks today <laughs> to try and make up for that. Um, I have, but I, I'm going to go with Brother Ben on, I think the original true Star Wars is the best. In, in the, you know, I know a lot of people would say, like, um, Return of the Jedi is, is a lot of people, like, that's really hot there. Here's the biggest thing I have against that, other than the, we sold teddy bears part. They couldn't come up with another bad guy. So they were like, let's make another death star. Okay. That's just kind of a cop out that, that <laughs> loses points to me. But I will say, I think the most underrated is rogue one. I think it's, I, I it's up there with, to me with one of the best. And here's why they actually point guns. <laughs> so if you've ever actually done anything with a gun, you realize you actually have to aim it. Um, and unlike all of the original movies where they just use the spray and pray technique, Rogue One, they actually got a soldier in there and said, could you show these guys how to use this thing? And they're like, oh, that's the end that goes bang. I didn't know that. So (laughs) that's why Rogue One gets my vote for being one of the best. Although I think the original, just for its groundbreaking nature, gets the the nod there. Rogue One is great. And I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Don't get me wrong. I do think it's sad, though, that they had to make an entire movie just to fix all of the plot holes that Six created. So, why are there two Death Stars? Why did they blow them up the same? <laughs> why can nobody shoot a gun? All of those things, 
You have a point there. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, because they were like, well, this sequel, we need to make some more money. So yeah. uh, should we rewrite a new thing? I ah, just use the same plot. It'll be fine. <laughs> well, in actuality, when I finished watching the, the last one the other day, uh, that was my first comment to Sonya. It was so much like all the rest of them. The, everything was just so expected. Yeah. You get the formula down and just keep copying it. All right. Well, that wraps up our very serious conversation of Star Wars. Unfortunately, <laughs> next week will not, I don't think, fall on any kind of Star Wars holiday. So we'll have to find something else to talk about. Um, so, Brother Ben, you said next week we're going to be talking about forgiveness again. But we're going to be talking about forgiving others. That's going to be key, forgiving others. So, men, if you want to get your wife to make sure she listens. So. Yes, it is Mother's Day, and I do apologize for the fact <laughs> that I won't be doing a Mother's Day sermon. Uh, I do promise that when we get to Father's Day, I'm going to combine the two. Parent Day sermon. Okay. There you it. go. <laughs> All right. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we've had a great time having this discussion, and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>